0: Hello everyone, my name is Kendall, and welcome to Unofficial Book Club, where life and stories meet. And just like any book club, we'll only be spending half the time actually talking about books. In these episodes of this podcast, I will be sitting down with various guests to connect over who they are, their happiness, and lessons they've learned. I believe life is like a book. Each chapter is a piece of our development and growth, with the good, the bad, and everything in between, that ultimately makes up our story. Now, before we get started, I want to remind you that my guests and I will be sharing our own personal experiences and opinions throughout this episode and all future episodes. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode. I'm super excited for this episode. This episode kind of revolves around my last book, that I read in 2023. We're now recording this at the beginning of 2024, but here with me as my guest, I have Hannah Parker. She is the author of the duology Autumn's Tithe and Autumn's Trader. and she owns her own publishing company, Counterpoise Press. She has 70,000 followers on TikTok, which is how I found her, and 3.8 mm-hmm. million likes, and I just finished her First book in the duology, Autumn's Type. I'm saying that right, right? Yes, yeah, you are <laughs> nailing
1: all of the pronunciations. I'm glad. And
0: if I had any, you know, doubts, I will say one of my favorite things about this book is that thankfully, Hannah, you put a pronunciation guide at the end of it, which <laughs> yes, I did. is all I want in a fantasy novel and all yes. I ask because I cannot pronounce fantasy words to save my life. But Anyway, without further ado, Hannah, welcome.
1: Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be chatting and it's so exciting that you've read the book. Like I love being able to chat about it and it's even more fun when people know what I'm talking about. So that's Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm super excited to read it. I also I have to tell you I really 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 liked it and like from the beginning Yay. it grabbed me. And everybody who's listening, we're not going to go into like too many details. We won't give that many spoilers because I want you all to be able to pick up this book and read it. But I will say from the beginning, I was like captivated. And as many of the listeners know, fantasy is a genre I'm getting back into. It's not one that I've read a lot of within the last probably five years. And I was sucked in from beginning to end and read it during my Christmas holiday. And
1: it was (laughs) good.
0: Yeah. So do you want to give us a little introduction about yourself before we start talking about the book?
1: Yeah, for sure. So um, Autumn Tide is my first book. It came out in 2021, and I actually started writing it as a senior in high school. Wow. Um, so yeah, so I started it back in 2016. It took a long time to write and then edit and then went through the publication process and saw a lot of the aspects of traditional and self-publishing. So I knew even when I went to college that I wanted to work in the publishing industry and I did some internships for different traditional publishers. And I liked a lot of the aspects of traditional publishing, but I also liked a lot of the aspects of self-publishing. And so, you know, I tried to get a book deal for Autumn side it didn't work out, didn't have any like bites from agents or anything. So I was like, you know, I want to self-publish, but. I want to do it a little bit differently, and hopefully have like the professionalism of um, and quality of traditional publishing mixed with kind of the freedom and self control of self publishing. Because I knew I wanted to publish other people's books in the future, so I wanted to like start with my own book, learn the ropes, and then um, branch out into other people's books once I got the hang of it. So I started my own company. And yeah, that's kind of the basis of um, how everything got started.
0: That's so exciting. Also, that's really nice that you have like a personal stake in it and you are like an author yourself. I think that's probably yeah. very reassuring
1: to those yes. who will, yes.
0: <laughs> you know, go into business with you.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's, it's definitely like a really great perspective to have because mm-hmm. I know that, you know, publishing is a business at the end of the day, but it is kind of frustrating when you feel like, I mean, your book is like your soul book, it's your baby, but it's hard when, you know, someone's trying to make money off of it. So I feel like I have a good perspective of like, I understand, um, how much books mean to people because I'm an author myself. I know how it feels, uh, Yeah. but also I know a lot of like kind of the business side. So it's a really great, great blend to have. Yeah.
0: So then you kind of answered this, but did the writing portion come first where you were like, I was always going to be an author or I was always going to work in the publishing industry? I
1: think it was publishing first, but it was kind of one of those things I didn't really want to admit that I wanted to be an author. (laughs) So I was like, oh, like publishing is kind of like as close as I'll get and I can work on other people's books and that'll just kind of have to be good enough. And I kind of wrote on the side I mean like way back in the day in lower school and stuff I would write fan fiction and stories like that but I I wasn't one of those people that growing up was like oh my gosh I'm going to be an author Mm -hmm. it was definitely later after I started working in publishing and then I was like oh I can't just work in publishing like I really do know that I want to be an author Um, but that definitely came a little bit later yeah yes so it was kind of like the I don't know like the writing had always been there but I didn't want to embrace it as a profession until it was kind of like I felt like I, could, I couldn't do anything yeah. else like I really really wanted to be an author and I still wanted to work in publishing and so I was like I'll just do both <laughs> yeah no I
0: think that's so cool and I that's kind of what like when I came across your TikTok I was like wow that's insane that not only is she doing one but then the other and creating your com- uh, your own company and being an entrepreneur in that way is already like such a big deal and to combine <laughs> those two what a what a task to take on like congratulations yes. i commend you on thank
1: you that's so kind yeah it yeah. is it is a lot but i'm so lucky because i mean i love it so much so yeah. couldn't, couldn't ask for anything more <laughs> yeah
0: oh my gosh and i like i've always said one of my dreams would be to be a published author And I just, I feel like I probably had the same mindset as you when I was younger, but I always thought that writing a book would have to be, especially with what like you read in school, it would have to be this very profound thing. And I feel like only as I enjoyed reading in my personal life for fun, did I realize the true just entertainment and like escapism of it, that I realized that like any story can be something and there's something for someone out there
1: in every genre and
0: every area. So that's- that's
1: exciting. And it kind of makes people more encouraged to write and go out there. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think that's a great way of putting it. And, you know, people come to me a lot and they're just so nervous because they're like, oh, my, my idea is not unique and blah, blah, blah. Mm. blah. And I'm like, but I mean, no idea is really unique anymore. And I think that people kind of undervalue how much readers like, you know, kind of same thing, different font, if that makes sense. Like, you know you're going to take everything you love and kind of mash it up and put your own spin on it and that's what makes it unique you know the idea mm-hmm. itself doesn't have to be groundbreaking or anything like that
0: oh no for sure and especially like i think for me as a reader if i'm really enjoying a story uh the first thing i'm googling after i'm done is what was yes a series that- yes <laughs> So-and-so and and like I'm looking for the next one. So I totally, or, you know, you see a movie and you're like, oh, I wish there was a book out there that, you know, could give me the same experience. So yeah, no, for sure. And so question for you, what is your writing process like then? And do you, this is a twofold. So for your writing process, where do you write the most? Mm -hmm. And do you write like all day, like nine to five, you know, very scheduled or is it kind of sporadic?
1: Yeah, that's a really good, great question. I feel like it's different for every author, obviously, but I, I'll write anywhere. I usually like writing just in my house, like at the dining room table or on the couch. Um, And then sometimes if I'm feeling like not very motivated or whatever, I'll go to a coffee shop or something like that. But usually I just write from home. Um, and I definitely don't write all day. I know some authors that do, but that was just crazy to me. I feel like my kind of like concentration level, I can't hold it that long. So I feel like I'm lucky. Um, I work in writing sprints, which totally changed the way I write. It's like 25 minutes of writing, no distractions, like no getting on your phone, nothing. And then a five minute break. And I love working this way because sometimes I'll just be in kind of a rut and I'm like, you know what? You just have to do one sprint, like just Mm -hmm. 25 minutes and then you're done. And usually I, I very rarely just do one sprint. So I'll like get going, kind of get in the groove of it and then I'll just keep writing. But usually I top out at like an hour, like four writing sprints, like hour, two hours. I am done for the day. Um, so definitely not, not an all day writer, Yeah, but I am, I am slow. So that kind of comes with a price, I guess, is I am definitely slow. Um, but I like just like take my time. I am very, very sensitive when it comes to burnout. I feel like I'm a hard worker, but slow, but I really don't like pushing to burnout at all because I've had experiences with that and I feel like it just. That will push you back mm-hmm. farther than you could ever imagine when you like push yourself to that. Um, as for just like the writing itself, I am a big outliner, so I mm-hmm. love to outline. I use the save the cat, writes a novel outline, mm-hmm. love it. Um, so I like outline the whole story and then I just do the sprints until it's done. I haven't drafted <laughs> like a whole book in a while. So I'm like, what is my process? I don't really remember. <laughs> um, but I like working off the outline and just, you know, kind of chugging away at the sprints until yeah. it gets done and then self-editing and then sending it off to beta readers and then hiring a professional is usually kind of mm-hmm. the, the route I like to take. Uh, but yeah that's like very broad so if you yeah. have any if you have any questions I know that was like kind of just like a glaze over no well I was curious
0: if, I was curious if you were an outliner do you draft mm-hmm. do you like totally plan before you write because I hate doing that I know it's needed but like I just I want to just like do it and get it done yeah. and then but then you have to go back and read what you wrote and all these so it's interesting to see so you're an outliner and you just, like, do you outline every chapter or just kind of the storyline?
1: I kind of do. So I go off of, like, scenes. So Mm -hmm. the Save the Cat talks about, like, how many scenes should be in, or not even scenes. They're they're called, like, story beats. So I guess a beat could have multiple scenes. But kind of, like, main points of the story. So I know, I always know, like, where I'm going, but I don't Mm -hmm. always know, like, point A to point B if that makes sense yeah so I don't do like a chapter level I don't even really break up into chapters until the very end so I kind of write in like a mega document just like Mm -hmm. going through all the beats and then I break it up later because sometimes I might want to have like a dramatic break here or something like that that's not necessarily going off of like I don't know, the beat, like I might cut it yeah. in half to have a chapter yeah. break. If that makes sense. Yeah. This is getting really yeah. technical, but yeah. <laughs> I hope it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, that um, makes sense. But yeah, I I think that, you know, plotters and pantsers, wherever you fall in the spectrum of like outlining or not outlining, um, you know, the structure gets added in at some point. So, you know, if you want to add it afterwards, don't don't try to go against what feels natural. Like some people yeah. are like, I have to outline that feels natural. And some people are like, no, I hate it. So, writing's hard enough. I'd say don't force yourself to, to go against what feels (laughs) natural to you.
0: Yeah. Well, speaking of feeling natural, did you always know that you were going to write fantasy or was that kind of just the beginning for you? Do you want to write in other genres? Kind of where do you fall in that?
1: I love fantasy. I've always loved fantasy. So I feel like that was just kind of natural to me. I love escapism and just like, I don't read a lot of contemporary anything, even like contemporary fantasy. I like like Mm -hmm. medieval fantasy. Take me away. (laughs) But um, yeah, so I always knew that fantasy was kind of my vibe. I loved young adult fantasy, you know, like growing up and in uh, high school and stuff. So it just made sense to start with young adult because that's what I was so familiar Mm -hmm. with. Um, But for grad school, I had to do a thesis process. Oh, thesis project sorry and um it has to be like a book that you haven't published before and it can not be part of a mm. series so basically mm. i had to yeah i had to so i couldn't use like anything involved with autumn's Tide because they had already been published and even the third book because there will be a third book but oh okay uh, i thought it was a duology okay. no nope, no to one. yeah it's a trilogy Okay. But yeah, but the first two are out. So it's okay. a duology right now. <laughs> okay. But um, yeah, I had to write something totally different than those books for my thesis. And it's adult fantasy. So still yeah. still fantasy, but different age level. And I really like that. I don't, I don't see myself writing anything other than fantasy, but I do like young adult and adult fantasy equally. So I think yeah. I would kind of flip flop between yeah. those two for sure. Yeah.
0: So, are you in the middle of writing the third one right now?
1: I am not. I oh. want, yeah. <laughs> so, I want the, um, it's my like thesis book. I want that to come out this year. Oh, so, okay. that'll kind of be in the interim of um, my publishing schedule. But that okay. one's further along than the third book. I took a pretty big break after the second book um, in the Severed Realms universe. Mm-hmm. So, I, Took a break, wrote the thesis book, and then I'll go back to the third one mm-hmm. this year. I would like to I would like to have a draft finished okay. this year for sure. I don't okay. know what state it will be in, but <laughs> I, I would like to have that finished and then have the thesis book come out at the end of this year would be Ooh. ideal. <laughs> How exciting. Well, yeah, I still have to read. Excited. That
0: makes me feel better about, you know, I haven't read the second one yet, so I have like a moment to read it yes. before... I have to wait for the third. But also how exciting that an adult uh, fantasy novel is coming out. And you said it's going to be a standalone. So it'll.
1: Well, it won't be a standalone. But okay. it'll be. Yes. It, this So it was for the thesis. It has to be like. It can't be. How do I phrase this? Because I did make it sound like a standalone. <laughs> it can't be a part of like a previous. Okay. Series. So it has to be something new. But that can be a series. As long okay. as it's the first. First installment. Okay. So I just don't want to have anything where they have yeah. to read a previous book, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, no, but that this makes one sense. will be a series. I just have not gotten there yet. Just the book. Oh, just the first one that is okay. uh, done. So exciting. Yeah, I'm really excited for that one.
0: Well, can you tell the listeners a little bit about Autumn's Tithe and yes. I guess Autumn's Trader, but just the series itself. Yeah. And why they should uh, read it.
1: Yes, for sure. So I they don't always have a special place place in my heart because it was kind of my first book baby um, and they just took me so long to to make. So I will always have a little special place for them. But on Tide side is young adult fantasy um, and it's about a girl named Larkin and she journeys into the fairy realm to rescue her best friend. And in the process, she gets tied in a life debt with a prince, which means if one gets hurt, the other one does too. And if one dies, so does the other and she gets bound in a life debt with him and finds out that he is the one who killed her friend. So it's Mm -hmm. kind of like um, enemies to lovers, life debt with your enemy, Um, do they really hate each other, that (laughs) kind of stuff. Um, That's kind of like a overall synopsis of the first one. And then the second one, so hard to describe without spoilers, but it is a (laughs) continuation of events that happen Mm -hmm. at the end of book one and um, kind of like more I see that was a little bit more political and getting more into, um, like, war and, uh, like, fighting for Mm -hmm. the throne and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, And then it's multiple point of view, where the first book is just Larkin's point of view.
0: Yeah, the first one is just her point of view. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, it was really interesting, and I thought about this as I was reading it, just how you would write this, but the whole book I would say is almost like a, like a quest in some way. Mm -hmm. So it's really, you're only with the small group that she's with for the entire book. Was that harder to write than having it have a lot of different people in a lot of different places or easier? Do you think?
1: Kind of both. Like they both have their challenges, but multiple, multiple points of view are definitely more fun, you know, because Mm. you're like, you know, you have, different characters. Like I, I never got tired of Larkin's point of view or anything like that uh, in the first one, but it's just kind of nice to open it up and kind of play yeah. as a writer with like, I saw it as kind of like, I don't think I would have been able to write multiple points of view, even if I had wanted to in the first book, it was good to just like have a single point of view, very linear type story. Mm-hmm. And then have the second book kind of be it's not like multiple timeline or anything like that but it is multiple characters simultaneously doing stuff um so the first one was definitely easier but i think the second one was more fun because it's just like you get to know more characters and like then each point of view character has different characters that they're interacting with Mm -hmm. so you can open it up a lot more and get more perspectives than you can with just one character, if that makes yeah. sense.
0: <laughs> no, it does. And I, I really like that. I just read a series, um, like a thriller series by Mindy McGinnis, The Initial Insult. And it was very similar where the first book was through two different points of view. And then the second book was through two different points of view, but like different people. And mm-hmm. I think similarly to what I assume Autumn's Trader is going to be, it'll be nice to have been on that journey with Larkin and then get to see the ins and outs of other characters um points of view and like what they're thinking and feeling. Yeah. I'm really excited. That's really cool. I yeah. like that.
1: It, it was really cool. And I kind of um I loved just like the trope I, I don't know if it's a trope, the writing style of like having a single point of view for the first book, especially in fantasy, because there's just like so much going on, <laughs> so much to digest. Yeah. It's nice to just be in like the lens of one character, but then in the second one, you know, you like characters, you want to see them more, and then you could get a point of view from them or see a different perspective or whatever and kind of open up the world more in a way that would be a little overwhelming if it was in the first book, in my opinion. It could be done, but it's just a lot more to digest for sure. Yeah,
0: no, I'm really excited. I'm really excited, and I'm excited to see an adult fantasy world and see like your writing style in that as well because I've always loved young adult books and as I've grown up obviously I'm reading more adult novels but um I feel like I haven't read a lot of adult fantasy if any fantasy it's usually been um young adult
1: right I'm so fascinated with like the line between young adult and adult because I think young adult is so fun like you know you're dealing with a very emotional teenager usually um and you know with big life things going on Mm -hmm. so it's just super fun i think young adult is just so fast-paced it's very easy to like sink into fantasy Mm -hmm. especially because usually the worlds aren't like overly complex and it just feels really fun Mm -hmm. but adult you know you can do stuff that you can't with young adult i mean with like spice levels and just like the world building and just like overall darkness i mean Autumn side is pretty dark. Um, I don't know yeah. if you've noticed that, but um, yeah. it is pretty dark for young adult. Um, but, you know, adult, I think it's cool because you can go even darker. And I kind of like those kind of stories. So it's just yeah. interesting. I love the kind of line. They both have really good things about them that Yeah, I love reading and writing.
0: Yeah. And I think you're right. That line is almost like very blurred nowadays because there's, oh, I yeah. always but joke that there's like, young adult and then there's it's almost like there's teenager and then there's young adult because young adult Mm -hmm. is like such a big wide scope but I want to jump into some of my topics at hand outside of your writing so my first question for you is can you define happiness for me what is your definition of happiness
1: yeah I think it's just like feeling I mean content is maybe another word for happy but I think just feeling like really content and just kind of like excited almost for the present moment. That's how I like to look at it. Um, Happiness for me has always been like very present and just being like really excited and just content in that present moment.
0: Mm -hmm. I like that. And so what are some of the things that make you happy?
1: Yeah, I, oh my gosh. I mean, obviously I love writing. Writing can be really difficult, but I, I, Feel like the sense of accomplishment is really big and that just makes me um, really happy especially when I've like done a long day of work or just had a book come out or whatever it is um I love horseback riding I am a big equestrian girly <laughs> so that makes me very happy just like present in the moment um and just like hanging out at home I feel so old saying that <laughs> I have just become like such a homebody the past year and I'll just be like laying with my cat or like watching tv or something and I'm like this is just so nice like I just, <laughs> I just really like this moment mm-hmm. and I'll like get excited to like if I'm doing something to like come home I'll be like yes I get to like go home and just mm-hmm.
0: yeah looking at your watch like when do I get to yes, go home? literally yeah and so I didn't ask you this at the beginning but I'm curious how much of your day when you're not writing is reading inquiry inquiries and like query letters from other manuscripts or reading other manuscripts yeah
1: yeah it's obviously it's like the rest of my day is usually spent Mm -hmm. doing stuff for um counterpoise or doing stuff for my author account so for anyone listening i'll just kind of give a little spiel about this so basically counterpoise is a traditional publishing house that means that people have to um query my manuscript or send me a pitch for their manuscript and if it's accepted i'll give them in advance, which is like money upfront from the book, and then I pay for everything like Counterpoise pays for everything like editing, um, cover design, marketing, that kind of stuff. Um, so what a lot of people get confused about is like they think that they have to pay to be published with Counterpoise, and that is not true. So, it, with the traditional model, if we accept your book, we pay for everything and then we split your royalties or the profit of the book. So basically we have skin in the game because we don't make money until Mm -hmm. you do. And then that's kind of how we make a profit is like splitting the royalties with you, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I have that side. So that's when like theories are coming in, You know, I'm working with authors um, on their books coming out and whatnot, but I also have services like through my author brand website, whatever you want to call it, um, where I like edit people's novels. Um, I, I do like marketing consultations sometimes, Mm -hmm. um, coaching calls and I do a writing mentorship, which I really, really love where I like coach people as they write their book. So like, you know, they're from start to finish kind of working with me monthly and they send me what they have each month and I edit it for them and we talk about where they want to go next and I want that program. So basically, none of that is associated with counterpoise. So I guess okay. I have to like make that distinction yeah. because I don't want people to think, oh, I have to like pay you to edit yeah. or take you and then I get accepted um, because I just want to like clarify that because there's a yeah. lot of misinformation about publishing where people think that you have to pay like thousands of dollars to have a publisher publish you. Um, which is not the traditional model, but yes, the rest of my day is spent um, usually going through queries. I don't spend a ton of time on queries. Like, I mean, I'll get like a couple a day for sure, but nothing that I'm like just sitting there all day Mm -hmm. reading through queries. Um, But a lot of it is spent editing for clients, like editing their manuscripts, um, their first chapters or doing stuff with the mentorship and I love that like it's so 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 fun to work with clients and see their books just grow or get yeah. more published or whatnot um, and then see them publish wherever they choose to like if they want to self-publish or get picked up by a publisher it's really cool to see um mm-hmm. see their work from kind yeah. of finish
0: Ah, oh, I love that I the you sound so passionate about it when you talk about it. (laughs) For sure. Yeah, obviously I did my research and I saw that. I didn't know, I'm glad you explained that because I didn't know that they were such two different entities. And I really love that. Like it just shows how much it means to you and how much you actually like what you're doing and love it. And oh, I think I I would love that. Like you get to read all these books, you get to help Mm -hmm. people and you've already been through that process. Like how lovely and how nice and how great yeah. that you get to like, coach people as well. That's a great, um, you know, just offer to do and, and to be able to do that.
1: Yeah, it's really cool. I really love it because I feel like I have a good perspective of like writing my own books and then having my books professionally edited by others and then, you know, helping people in return and then, you know, assisting them with whatever parts of the mm-hmm. publishing um, if they have like questions or anything like yeah. that, I just I think it's, it's just so fun. I really love yeah. it. Yeah.
0: And so here's another question. I'm diverting from yeah. all of my no no thoughts. I, <laughs> all the questions I thought I had because I'm very curious about this. So how like I found you on TikTok, right? And then through that I you know started reading your book, etc. How much do you think social media plays into publishing now, especially with book talk and the fact that, I mean, I, there are obviously, like, the big publishing houses, but how do you think social media plays into that, and how do you participate in
1: that community? Yeah, I think, oh my gosh, social media means everything to authors, I think, um, mm-hmm. or is just really important to authors, mm-hmm. even if they don't like that. Um, I think social media, like, bookstagram and Talk, has definitely just change the publishing landscape significantly because I think that before kind of the rise of social media especially book talk publishers thought that they were kind of dictating what people Mm -hmm. were reading or what people liked and they would say oh well we bought a lot of vampire books our competitor bought a lot of vampire books last year so vampires are over Mm -hmm. and you know you wouldn't see very many vampire books come out until they decided that they were ready to buy them again um, and I I, I don't know this, but I just really don't feel like that was based off of reader consumption. I think it was based off of what they thought would make mm-hmm. money, what their competitors were buying, and it was more of like a business decision. Again, I don't have proof of that, but just <laughs> uh, and I think BookTok really came out of left field and showed publishers and authors that readers really are in control, mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, they do not think vampires are over or they don't think that <laughs> enemies to lovers is over or whatever. Yeah. And I think publishers kind of were like, wow, this definitely has more power than we thought because, you know, readers, a lot of them don't care if something's traditionally or self-published and mm-hmm. books on book talk were really blowing up that were self-published that traditional publishers had turned away or turned away other books similar to it, yeah. you know, and then they <laughs> pick them up after they blew up on TikTok, which I think is just like a very interesting phenomenon um, that shows that like readers really are dictating in a, in a good way, like, yeah. as, as they should, as we should, yeah. <laughs> like what's popular and what's good and blah, blah, blah. Um But yeah, I think that the rise of BookTok has for sure changed the landscape of publishing. And I think in a really good way. I, I have I don't have a lot of bad things to say about book talk. Mm-hmm. Um and especially for me, that is like where all of my clients come from. A majority of my readers come from. Um I love posting on kind of like the author side mm-hmm. of TikTok, like here's what I do in a day, here's what my book's about. Oh um, yeah. I, just, I love looking yeah. <laughs> at those. Yes. As I, a reader. Like them, yeah. Um <laughs> i like just posting kind of educational content like you know how to write a book or um like here's the five steps of publishing or whatever um, i like that side too so i think that so much of my job has just like kind of become social media and i'm lucky because i really like social media i like posting i feel like i kind of have a good mind for it. Like I like friends, I like scrolling. <laughs> so <laughs> I feel like I'm lucky because I do like it yeah. um, because a lot of authors don't like it and feel like they have mm-hmm. to be on it.
0: Um, yeah.
1: And I mean, just the way I view it, people say, oh, you don't have to be on it. You don't have to be on any social media. And that that's personally not my experience. Um, I feel like social media is just kind of the way books are sold nowadays, I'm not saying yeah. it cannot be done, but just in my experience, I feel like that's mm-hmm. just kind of the way that the world works now, good and bad.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. If you walk into a Barnes and Noble now, there's a whole table at the front Book of there. Table. Yeah. yeah. Like, of course <laughs> yes. it is. And I mean, I, I'm guilty that like my 2023 reading list, I would say more than 50% came from book talk. And if, and if it didn't come from there, it came because I read a book that then led me to another one. Like truly it all comes down to that. I will say the only, I don't even know if it's like a negative, but I would say the only thing that I as a consumer want more of is I think I see a lot of the same books, which is great and fine. And I think there have been some standout ones this year that people really enjoyed like divine rivals by rock like there, there have been some that just you know skyrocketed but i would love to expand my reading to those beyond the ones that i see as i'm scrolling because i do think i see a lot of the same ones and that's amazing yes. and that's great but i do want to find more and i think that that's i i give you know those book talkers a lot of credit that go through so many books and that is yes. their entire content is giving you all yeah. of these suggestions and so I give them a lot of credit for that but yeah it's it's a lot of yeah. work it's, it's an added layer to your
1: is, for <laughs> sure because I mean I think people in my life you know like my parents and um, friends and stuff like that they just don't understand the kind of power of social media in a lot of ways like they do no. because they they see influencers and stuff like that but I'm like no like this is literally part of my job like th- this yeah. is the marketing side of my job and you know if I work really hard on a video and it tanks like I feel really sad and if yeah. I work really hard on a video or don't or whatever and it goes viral like that can change my sales for the month yeah. I can change my sales period so I think that It's like not super understood by people outside of the community. I guess that could be said for a lot of jobs that, yeah, but I think it's so interesting that that has become such a pivotal part of my career is being on Instagram and being on TikTok. Yeah,
0: no, I I agree. I had no idea how much scrolling I would do and how much, yes, how much (laughs) posting I would do. Like, I didn't think when I started I started my account before I started my podcast and I didn't think I was just happy that there was a community that read as much as me Right. but then I didn't think about how much I would just be like involved in like like it takes up so much of my time just to look at it and then now I have a TBR list that's like eight books yeah like 800 books long I have like Mm -hmm. just this small pile here i mean it's so it's it's crazy but i i've always been curious especially nowadays with authors that are recent authors or new authors for lack Mm -hmm. of a better term like how much social media really pays a big plays a big um role in that yeah Mm -hmm.
1: i think it's i mean for me tiktok has really changed my life for the better like i've had so many opportunities because of tiktok um and I feel like it's really saved my career multiple times. Um, I owe a lot to it and I yeah. don't I don't underestimate that power or look down on it. You know, I used to get so embarrassed from like, you know, some bully or guy from my high school would find my <laughs> TikTok and I'd be like, oh my gosh, like I'm so embarrassed. And now I'm like, that's literally how I make my money. Yeah. And like how I all these opportunities and have made friends and all kinds of stuff so i'm like Mm -hmm. i i don't even like look down on it or Mm -hmm. shame any influencer well some maybe (laughs) i respect respect yeah more yeah i did
0: for sure yeah no uh, yeah i agree i agree and it takes up you know i won't discredit the time that it takes to post too like if this is your job and then you add this on as another layer of like marketing or whatever it's a lot of extra work so i get it yeah. So then what have been some of the most impactful lessons in your life and some of the best advice you've gotten?
1: Oh my gosh. Okay. Best advice I've gotten, like, I didn't know where this came from. Like, obviously someone coined this, but I don't know who <laughs> did. And it's you can't edit a blank page, which I just love that so much because oh. people don't realize that like, you have to finish the first draft. Like I have so many people who come to me and they're yeah. like, you know, I have a really good idea or I have a really good first couple of chapters or whatever. And I'm like, that's so great. Like that I'm not discounting that, but you will never have a finished book in your hand with just yeah. an idea or just a couple of chapters yeah. and a finished manuscript in your hand is worth more than like any good idea or any good first couple of chapters, in my opinion. So that advice really changed my life. Cause like, you know the first draft can be so bad like no one has to look at it but you but you have to get it done and the only difference between you and someone who has a book on their shelf that they wrote is they finished the first draft and you just have to get there so I, and I, I needed
0: to hear that like i think <laughs> i i think that all the time cuz i just i my younger sister and i both love writing and have committed this year to like really writing something i wrote something out of college i put it it was done, and then I like put it to the side, and I picked something else up. But like I can't get past, how do you not go back and like reread or rewrite your chapters as you're no. writing? Like how do you get to the end, whether or not it's outlined? How do you do that?
1: I just I do not let myself go back. That is like my number one <laughs> rule. I even if I've been away from the project for a long time, I do not let myself go back. I will get stuck. I will start editing, and when I'm drafting, especially like a first draft. I'm doing those sprints and I am not looking back and that is future me's problem. That's (laughs) what I say a lot. And like you'll look back once you finish it and be like, Oh my gosh, that's like not even as bad as Uh I thought it was. Uh And you'll be so grateful that you like continued on and finished Uh it because I don't know. I learned this a lot with my thesis because the thesis that I turned in, it can only be a hundred pages. So they don't, yeah. (laughs) they don't care if you have the whole thing done they just want a very polished first 100 pages and I was very lucky going into my thesis semester that I had already finished a complete first draft and then I was going back to edit the first 100 pages so I had a good idea and knew where the story was going from there but editing the first 100 pages like Mm -hmm. it was so fun in a way because it was like oh I only have to focus on 100 pages and I can just like really polish these up but I know when I like go back and finish the rest that stuff in those 100 pages is going to change Mm -hmm. so when you're doing the first draft it's like editing literally does not matter at that stage because Mm -hmm. so much is going to change like so much stuff you don't even expect because now that I have like these very polished hundred pages, I still have the rest of the book to do and like stuff is going to change. So Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that like having those first hundred pages being pretty polished doesn't matter because it does. But if you just have like, say you just have two chapters and you just keep reworking them and reworking when you have a great first two chapters, you can't publish two chapters. And like, you know, if you keep going and you just focus on the two chapters, like it, again, it's, I don't want to say it doesn't matter because it mm-hmm. does, but like the more you get bogged down with editing, like I just tell myself this all could change this whole, yeah. this whole chapter could be cut. You could rework the whole first chapter. Yeah. Like you really can only see kind of a bird's eye view when, when you're done.
0: Yeah. No, that makes sense. I I'm listening. I'm taking
1: it in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not that anyone wants to hear even, yeah. even myself. Cause I'm like, Oh, like, I don't want to finish the first time sometimes. Yeah. That was the best advice I've ever heard. And that's like very common advice, but I think it's the most important. Mm
0: -hmm. And outside of writing or reading, what is an impactful lesson you've heard for life? Whether you (sighs) learned the lesson or were told. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think not caring what people think and this is yeah. something I still struggle with like I have not learned this <laughs> fully I guess but I agree people especially with like and this is kind of maybe a downside of TikTok I was just talking about this today actually but like TikTok is so filled with trends right and like the trend will sometimes stay around for a year, like a fashion trend or something, Mm -hmm. or it could be like a cap cut meme that only stays around for a week. And I just get so wrapped up in like, oh, I have to be on trend. I have to be doing this or that, or like just really caring kind of what other people think, like what other people think about my job or my social media or whatever um, my life choices. And I just think that no one really cares. Like even if someone is like gossiping about you or whatever, they are not like remembering that forever. Like just no one really cares. And like just letting it affect you so much is just really harmful to yourself. And I'm still learning that. I still Mm -hmm. like, you know, read a bad review or um, have, I mean, even like a style choice or something like that, that doesn't have to do with my job. Um, Like that can really affect me, but I'm, 2024 is the year that I'm like I just need to not care <laughs> what they because yeah. it's your life you know yeah that that's just I mean that's really deep but like even if someone cares so much about what you're doing that they're like gossiping about you or whatever like I mean it's cheesy but like let them let them do that like mm-hmm. just let it kind of roll off of you because you're the one living that and they yeah. they are not that concerned even if you think they are they're really worried about themselves. Yeah. Unless they are really not that worried about Yeah. <laughs>
0: no, for sure. For sure. So then when do you feel the most like yourself?
1: My gosh. So many good ones. Um, I really feel myself when I'm with my family. I think I just, just really kind of feel the most relaxed and like accepted and... Um, yeah. I just, I really like being around my family and stuff like that. Or, um, when I'm horseback riding, I feel yeah. definitely like myself, even if I like mess up or whatever, I'm like, at least I'm doing what I love with a horse I love. So it just yeah. feels like very just chill.
0: Relaxing. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. And so what are you still hoping to accomplish in life? Anything, exactly. everything, whether it's books, writing, publishing, or a personal life, what?
1: Yeah. Um, publishing goals. I really want to finish the Severed Realms trilogy. So I want to finish uh-huh. the third book. Um, I would really like to publish the thesis book this year. I know we kind of talked about that. Uh-huh. Um, but in life, I am not trying to be a workaholic. I feel like that is literally my overall goal is to work less. (laughs) That sounds so weird because I do love my job, but I think last year I just experienced a lot of burnout and just kind of like, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're self employed, it's great because, you know, you can go to Target in the middle of the day or go to a doctor's appointment or whatever. But I had no boundaries like Mm -hmm. with myself when it came to work. And I mean, literally just a couple weeks ago for Christmas, I was working on Christmas Eve. Like I literally was working on a client's book on Christmas Eve and I did not want to be doing it, but I was like, I just feel so behind. I feel like I have to, and this client was like the sweetest ever. She was not like, yeah, have to get it done or anything like that. But I just felt like I have to work. And I was like, I do not want to be feeling like that. Like I I would like to just have a good kind of work life balance Mm -hmm. and really like my job and not force myself or work myself into burnout for any reason or burnout in any parts of my life. Like, yeah, I like working out. Like I like horseback riding. I like travel, but I can get burnt out on literally any of those things. So I, I want to make sure that I'm like not doing too much of something or overexerting myself to the point where, it's miserable. And I know that's like a very privileged thing to say, but I think that, especially like with the age of social media and just like hustle culture and stuff, it's really important to just be like, okay, but like no one needs to be sacrificing their mental health for their job. Like, if there's any way that you can avoid that, you should definitely yeah. avoid that. Yeah. Prioritize <laughs> like, Self-care and mental health and stuff like yeah. that. Again, that is a very privileged thing to say. Yeah. Um, and not everyone has that luxury. But I feel like if there's any way that you can um don't push yourself into it's not worth your mental health, it's not worth mm-hmm. like anything, in mm-hmm. my
0: opinion. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. I completely agree. And believe it or not, my final question and my favorite question to ask <laughs> is Yay. what would you do if you knew
1: you wouldn't fail? If I wouldn't fail. Oh my gosh. Oh, (laughs) I would love to like submit to a movie. Everyone like a agent. I don't know. I don't know how that even happens. I (laughs) know. A movie agent, I guess. Like you need an agent and then they'd sell it to a movie or whatever. Um, I would love to see myself adapt it like everyone yeah. that's every yeah that's but I will even say this my friends are like well, what if it's bad like what if it's like you know if they don't adapt it correctly I'm like I literally don't care like it could be bad <laughs> I don't care I'd be so happy like I would be like so excited it could be like the worst thing everyone's <laughs> hating on it and it would be my favorite show, it yeah. would be my favorite movie. I would love it. If they're just using the same name, yeah, it doesn't yeah. Even have to look like them, I would still be so happy. Yeah. And my friends are like, that's bad. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no I, I would love it. So yeah. if I could do something without but I don't know. That's like that's just like a mega dream that I would like to come true. Mm-hmm. If that if that did not come true, I would still be happy living life. Yeah. That, that would be nice to be like, if there was one thing. That absolutely would not fail. Really. Yeah. Yeah. I would hope that you get to be a huge part of it as the author. Yes, I do. Yeah. They're like, it's horrible, but you get like a cameo or something. I'd be yeah. like, oh, oh, I love that. I love when
0: authors yes. do that and you can spot yes. them. Oh, I love that. No, yeah, that's a good I answer. So I think so many, that's funny though, that that's your answer because I didn't think, I'm probably just as surprised as your friends are that you're like, even if it sucks, like I don't yeah. care. Like I was a lot of.
1: A lot of authors are like, no, like, if it's bad, like, I'm going to say no. And I've heard so many authors that are like, I got a movie deal and I turned it down. I was like, you're better than me. You (laughs) are better than me. I would have taken that so fast. They can redo it. If it's not bad. And they do. They do nowadays. (laughs) Yeah, they do. Like, Percy Jackson is
0: getting. Yeah. And I will say the show, I just started it and it is 10 times better than the movie when it comes to accuracy, Mm. but obviously so much. Oh hundred times better for accuracy they're doing such a good job but obviously yeah, the like, movie they,
1: was just like a free-for-all yeah
0: <laughs> but okay, obviously so. and they're doing it a better time around because you know Rick Riordan's actually like a part of it but yeah. I do think that and it's funny one of my questions for the next episode will be discussing books versus movies but I do think that like I think your approach is a very refreshing answer because realistically like I I want whatever you want as the author and I will be happy with that whatever you pick because obviously it's your world and your creation but at the end of the day like y- you could never satisfy every reader every no. person that you know so like Larkin's character whatever you put out there on screen could be totally different than what I thought of and so
1: I think but that's a very good answer and very yeah and I'm just like with you know, self-publishing and just doing stuff with my own publishing house and stuff it's just like I I do a lot. Like, you know, I'm doing a lot of the marketing. I'm doing a lot of the editing. I'm doing a lot of the paying for stuff. And it's not that I am ungrateful for any of that or don't like the work I do, but it would just be so nice if someone was like, I'm going to make a movie for you Mm -hmm. and you don't have to do anything except be in it and watch your characters do stuff. Like, I literally can't think of anything better. And (laughs) they're especially if they're like, you don't have to do a single thing. Yeah. And we'll do it for you. That again, is a selling yeah. point. It does not have to be accurate. <laughs> if they're just doing something for yeah. me, I'm like, that's great. <laughs> so yeah, you you get I to know. be on the journey for the first time. Yeah. yeah so oh. that would be that would be the mega dream. But I love that. But again, like I I think that a lot of people I don't know I hear a lot of first time or like new authors are like, oh, if I if I like, don't get a movie deal, then I feel like I'm a failure and blah blah blah. And I'm like. Yeah. I I think that'd be so cool. Like, I don't think any author would not like their stuff to be adapted, but if it's not like, it's such a joy just to see people read it. So I'm very content with, with just how it is.
0: Yeah, no, I, I can only imagine the satisfaction and the, like, just the probably joy it brings to have somebody say like, I read your book and I love this about it. Or this was my favorite. Like that's gotta be. So I think the movie is great. You know, if it doesn't (laughs) fail, why not?
1: Yeah, why not?
0: But I I agree, yeah. No, I love that answer. That's a good answer. Hannah, thank you so much for being a part of this. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate any ounce of your time since I know how busy
1: you are. Oh, my gosh, of course. No, I love to talk. No one ever (laughs) has to twist my arm to talk about stuff. So, no, I have a great time.
0: And everybody stay tuned because Hannah will be back for a book club episode. And while you wait till later this week, please go check out Countervoice Voice Press. Check out Hannah on TikTok and pick up your copy of Autumn's Tide.
1: Yeah. And
0: everybody will be back for a book club episode later this week.
1: Bye Yay, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. Of Bye. course.
0: Thank you for listening to Unofficial Book Club where life and stories meet. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts And follow me on Instagram and TikTok at unofficialbookclubpod. And join the Unofficial Book Club on the Fable app. Please don't forget to rate and share with all of your friends. Until next time, bye everyone.